a boy with a demon. You know, whenever I begin a sermon on a particular text, my usual thing is to start with uh, some kind of a hook or an illustration to get your attention or to, to bring you into the scene as if you were there. But in preparing for, you, for this for you today, I'm at a loss for anything to hook you with. I mean, the gospel reading today from Matthew itself should get your attention. Anything about a demon possession is attention-getting because it's, it's bizarre. It's like something out of a horror movie. You know, it's, uh, it's supernatural, paranormal. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But first, I chose this reading today from Matthew in lieu of another one from Matthew about a demon that was possessing a young girl, the daughter of a Canaanite woman. That reading from Matthew chapter 15 comes up every three years in the Revised Common Lectionary. This one doesn't. Probably because there are so many other texts about Jesus throwing out demons, the lectionary editors believed that they didn't have to include every one of them. So, I thought I'd bring this one in for the first time and take a closer look at what's going on in it. The Apostle Matthew recounts the time when, after Jesus was transfigured on the hilltop with three of the other disciples there to see it, the next majorly important thing that happened was they came down to a place where there was a crowd of people waiting for them. Now, when you read the four Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in your Bible, you'll notice two chief things happen when Jesus meets a crowd. One, he teaches them. Two, he heals them. And in this scene with the demon-possessed boy, both happen. Because this text never gets heard on Sunday in the church, I want to read it to you again in my own translation from the original uh, Greek so that you might get more of a sense of what Matthew's original audience would have heard. Now, his original receptors of this witness were Jews who had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. It's not us, right? But still, do your best to hear this with fresh ears. Here's how it goes. As Jesus and the disciples were coming to the crowd, a man approached him, falling on his knees, saying, Lord, pity my son, because he's out of his mind and ill. Often he falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they weren't able, they weren't able to heal him. And answering him, Jesus said, Oh, unbelieving and warped generation, how long will I be with you? How much longer will I have to put up with you? Bring him to me here. And Jesus scolded the demon, and it came out of the boy. And he was healed from that hour on. Then the disciples approached Jesus privately, asking him, Why weren't we able to drive it out? And he says to them, because of your little faith. For I truly say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard, 
you'll say to this mountain, move away, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And as they were strolling along in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And on the third day he will be raised. And they were exceedingly grieved. Here's one thing about this text. It's not just about the demon. Yes, there is a boy possessed by a demon in this scene. But it's not to teach the crowds about demon possession. They know about demons. Galilee is chock full of demon-possessed people on all sides of the lake there. Not only is this place 700 feet below sea level, with all the heat and smoke and dust in Judea settling down in there, but apparently demons collect down there too. I don't know why. Gravity, air pressure, <laughs> it's just a dark place around this time. There is no other place mentioned in the Bible that is as plagued with demons as Galilee is. Jerusalem is probably second. And depending on your English Bible translation, some describe the boy as having epilepsy, which in my view is an unfortunate and poor translation. It's poor because it feeds into the modern notion that people back then were dumber than we are today and mistook common medical ailments and conditions as demon possession. It's like an old comedy sketch from Saturday Night Live with Steve Martin where he plays Theodoric of York, medieval barber. Right? The, the sketch correctly points out that in, in medieval times, before doctors, the village barber was the town surgeon because he knew how to cut and he had the tools, right? He had the instruments to do it. So in this skit, a sick woman is brought into Theodoric's barber shop and the mother asks, will she be all right, barber? And Theodoric replies, well, I'll do everything humanly possible. But unfortunately, we barbers are not gods. You know, medicine is not an exact science but we're learning all the time. Why, just 50 years ago, we would have thought your daughter's illness was brought on by demonic possession or witchcraft. But nowadays, we know that your daughter is suffering from an imbalance of bodily humors, perhaps caused by a toad or a small dwarf living in her stomach. <laughs> I mean, that silly comedy sketch, correct? It, it captures precisely what we modern people think about the people in the Bible. Well, they just didn't know. They were naive. Science hadn't told them yet what these things were, and so on. But I would encourage you to consider the text as it is, because there is good reason to accept that people in first century Galilee knew the difference between common ailments and conditions and demons. First, they're mentioned as separate things. Demon possession is written about along with diseases and birth defects and sicknesses. So people knew the difference. The other thing is, and most importantly, the word says it was demonic possession. Now, this, this uh, English Standard Version translation 
uh, translates the son as an epileptic. The King James Bible translates the father as saying, his son is a lunatic. And if you look at the word Matthew originally used, uh, seleniadzatai, in common Greek, that means moonstruck. The boy was moonstruck. Now, to our modern English ears, moonstruck means deliriously in love or something. You know. Well, that's obviously not what's going on here in this scene. To the Greeks, and to, some, and to, even, to some extent, even to our modern English, moonstruck describe, describes an abnormal state of mind, <clears throat> like when the moon is full, and people behave in a different way than they usually do. So the boy was moonstruck in that he was not himself. To make the move in your head that this was common epilepsy, you must make the move that Matthew doesn't know the difference between any of this stuff. And neither does Jesus. And wouldn't you doubt that if Jesus knew this was only an epileptic boy, he just played along with the people's knowledge level of this time? No. Matthew says Jesus threw the demon out of the boy. That's what this text is about. It's about Jesus having authority over the devil and his minions. I mean, we could go into all kinds of other things such as this, you know, the perverted generation that Jesus speaks into or how Jesus teaches his disciples that after he leaves them because of his power and authority over creation, their puny little faith will expel demons, heal the sick, and spread the good news of Jesus across the world. If their faith is smaller than that, then nothing will happen. There's a lot here. There's so much. But what could this text mean to us today in Sherwood 2023? Well, last Sunday we heard Jesus calm the storm on the sea at Galilee. And Jesus calms the storms in our life. Jesus throws demons out of people. Does Jesus expel the demons in our lives? We've all got them. Well, we like to say that, right? We say that sometimes, don't we? Uh, you've got your demons, I got mine. But do we? What do we really mean by that? I'm not questioning if they exist. Jesus has already verified that they do. I'm asking, can we have them after our baptism? After all, isn't baptism an exorcism of sorts? Isn't that what we hear in the baptismal address, you know, before the pastor baptizes a person? He, he talks about the Holy Spirit driving the devil out of the young child or whoever it is we're, we're baptizing. I mean, Martin Luther certainly talks about baptism in this way in the catechism and in the confessions. Theodoric of York was partly right. You know, before modern medicine, people believed some strange things about the human body. But I tell you, before modern medicine, no Christian believed this boy Matthew writes about had anything but a demon. There was no question. 
And Christians found meaning in this text in the overall story of God saving the world through His Son, Jesus. He swallowed up death and the devil. Satan or his helpers have no power or authority over Jesus. They can harass you and me. They can sting us like a scorpion as the... uh, One of the Gospels says, I think it's Matthew. He can tempt us, he can uh, deceive us, he can uh, even harm us in some ways, uh, but he has no final authority over us. Take what the Spirit gives you in this account from Matthew and any other scripture you read, but rest assured, despite what goes on in your head that is not from God, or aligns with his desires for you in your life, Jesus healed you on the cross when he died to pay for your sins and clear all your sinful debt before his Father. The old sinful person in you died with Jesus in his death on the cross, and a new person, made to be more like him, arose from death as he did from the tomb on Easter. The devil cannot snatch you out of the Father's hand now. He has the power and authority to do that for you. He's shown you this when he healed that boy in Matthew. And like the disciples, our faith may be small, minuscule even, but we take comfort knowing our faith doesn't come from within us, but from the power and authority of Jesus and his Holy Spirit the same who conquers demons and the devil. So our prayer should always be, Lord, increase my faith. Increase our faith. Give me, give us your spirit and power so that we may receive the fullness of your gifts and promises. Amen.